Welcome back to the energetics of everything, your favorite place to learn about all things wealth, health, and personal development from an energetic perspective. If you are someone who is in pursuit of both being the best version of yourself and creating a wildly impactful life, then this is the place for you. Throughout this podcast, you will learn how to use my hindsight as your foresight as you identify your purpose, optimize your behavior patterns, and create a ripple effect of positive change that your soul knows you're capable of. My name is Eden Carpenter, and I am so excited to be a part of your personal growth today. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Energetics of Everything podcast. I am here today with Marta, who won a giveaway that we did for a live masterclass. And so she's here to ask me some questions about her chart. I really love having conversations like this and bringing people on to just ask me questions and see where the conversation goes. It's really aligned with my design to have people pull information out of me. It makes it easier to talk about things. It's really exciting. It really lights me up. And so Marta, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really excited. I'm so excited too. Thank you for having me. Can you just give a brief introduction? I know we just talked for a little bit, so I have all of the context that I need for this conversation, but for the listeners, can you just give us a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, so they can see how they're going to relate to the conversation and questions that we have today? Yes, definitely. Well, my name is Marta Spurk. I am originally from Brazil, grew up there, born and raised My background and my career path has been connected to languages and communication for the longest time. I early on developed huge passion for the American culture and the language. I started teaching English when I was 14. I've always had this teaching, teaching vibes going on, married my American husband, was very involved in the church. And that's how I I met him in 2016 plot twist, huge plot twist. I had triplets and that sent me on this journey of self-discovery that started with me starting my business with network marketing and then deciding, no, I want to do something that's my own. I had no idea what that was going to look like. And it's had many twists and turns over the years. It's been almost six years now, but now I work exclusively with women entrepreneurs in both like life coach and business coach capacity. I call myself an empowerment coach and marketing strategist. It's been very focused on content creation, on messaging, on visibility, exposure. I got to do a TEDx earlier this year, which was an amazing experience. I recently published my book as well. And that's what I've been up to. Amazing. Oh my gosh. You've done so many incredible things. I love just seeing all of the pieces in your chart kind of play out because this is very like sacral authority. You're using the environment around you to help you manifest, which is really helpful for your open throat center. That like responsive energy, like, I'm not sure what exactly to do. I'm just going to respond, respond, respond. The teaching element as a six to it makes so much sense, especially with 16 being your conscious earth, Mm. your evolution happens in the only gate that's defined in your throat center. And that's the grounding practice is if you've been able to like master the communication around it. So Mm -hmm. it makes so much sense that at 14, you were teaching English because that was probably a language that you had to master over time yourself. It took a lot of focus. It took a lot of attention. And then you were able to be that role model extremely young. (laughs) 
<laughs> for other people, which is just so six too. I love it so much. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what are the burning questions that you have for me about your chart today? Well, I do want to talk about the triplets, but first, since you mentioned the throat, because that has been such a point of confusion, content for me, contempt, because of lots of things that you hear that I've heard from other human design teachers or anybody that starts into this path is you should wait for people to ask you to then talk. Don't just be, you know, calling for attention. But with me noticing that a part of my incarnation cross has a gate in my throat, I was like, no, this has to mean something different than the overgeneralization of you're not meant to speak because with being a teacher and being a speaker and being a singer too, I forgot to add that too. <laughs> it's like, I use my voice so much. Am I doing something wrong? Cause then I always revert to that. And that's something that we can talk about too, is the guilt of being reprimanded. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I haven't personally heard that story of open throats are like not supposed to talk or I have heard and I've discussed the theory around the open throat center is that or undefined if open right. has all of the gates open undefined will have some sort of gate definition and yours is undefined with that one gate. So with the undefined throat center, where we're undefined, we're literally just free. We are free to experience the unknown. We are free to experience a variety of opportunities. We are free. We're not tied down. In our definition, it is quite literally saying you have a definitive way that you process this kind of energy. So me with a defined throat center, I have a definitive way that I speak. Mm -hmm. I've probably had the same tone, the same rhythm. It's like the same energy. It's a similar conversation all of the time. There's two specific things that I like to talk about. I like to talk in detail. I like to explain things and I like to talk about what I'm doing, <laughs> my mm. personal experiences, since those are the channels connected to my throat. It's hard for me to tell stories. If you go through my content, you will see that it's difficult for me to tap into like a storytelling energy because I'm so defined there. There's definitive ways that I speak. So for you with an undefined throat center, it genuinely means that you're just not fixed in communicating a specific way. I need energetic maintenance. Like me getting to my big goals, something that's absolutely going to happen along the way is that I'm going to be talking about what I'm doing through my 3420 channel. It's very like I am. And then I'm going to be explaining details in my 6217. I'm going to be sharing my opinions, sharing my judgments, sharing my perspectives with other people. When I'm thinking about like manifesting and getting where I want to go, goal setting, it's very much that I have to account for, I'm going to have to do those two things along the way with an open throat center an undefined throat center. You're not fixed in communicating in one specific way. I think one of my favorite open throat centers is Oprah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's yeah. known for her conversations. She's known for her voice. She's absolutely considered a speaker in my opinion. Yeah. And like, she has an open throat center. Amanda Francis has an open throat center. She is a thought leader in the community around money manifestation and all of the things. And she has this open throat center. I'm pretty sure a couple of the Kardashians have open throat centers mm -hmm. and they may not be speakers, but they are people who gain a lot of attention and who are seen and observed very heavily. So mm -hmm. with, you, with you have this open throat center with 16 as being defined. So that's mm -hmm. going to be your conditioning receptor. So the consistent way in which you're going to deal with the themes of the undefined throat are going to come through that gate 16. So gate 16, we have 
it's the shadow of 16. I know the gift is versatility, but indifference. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you've in your life probably had to evolve through and kind of surrender to the lesson of moving from this energy of I'm indifferent. I don't care. Just very indifferent to what happens to this energy of versatility. It's so interesting that versatility is the only definition within that throat center, because it's also kind of a theme in general around the throat center, around undefined centers is like, you're here to surrender to that. You're here to let go around that topic and you're here to allow whatever comes through to come through. I've been really thinking about the undefined centers as like being at the ocean. If you're at the ocean, yes, you can jump in and you can swim around the ocean. Then you get back out. You go onto land. You can also sit on the land and look into the ocean and just watch the sea life. See if you can see dolphins, see if you can see the fish under the waters. You can watch like the natural rhythms. There's this ability to observe or immerse yourself in the experience. I like to think of the undefined centers like that. We watch other people, like we'd watch for dolphins or watch for the fish in the sea. We see them swimming. We see them in their existence. And while we like tap into that occasion and we can enjoy the appreciation, we also have this incredible perspective from being able to be on land and being able to look at it from an outside perspective. Whereas I'm a fish in your undefined throat center concept. (laughs) I get really focused on like the things around me. I don't see the waves. I don't see the sun. I don't see the weather. I don't see the rain. I don't see the big shadowy thing that's way over there that you might see coming towards me because I'm immersed in my own personal experience. So with your open throat center, you're able to see how people communicate. You're able to see the different ways. You can see the people surfing. You're like, there's people who surf at the beach. There's people who read at the beach. There's people who swim at the beach. You can just like play in the waves like this. You could do that. You see all of the different things that people can do as they interact with that topic. So it's communication, it's manifestation, it's storytelling, it's expressing yourself. It's like that self-expression energy. You see that so heavily and you're able to share guidance and share perspectives. And also when you feel called to it, when the time is right, jump in and swim around. If like that is something that really calls to you, you'll probably find yourself getting more interested in it. So maybe getting a diving license or going out like really far in the water and doing like a deep dive in like a submarine or something like that. You can get into a space of mastery over time coming from that curiosity. If you're curious enough about the water, you'll probably find deeper and more intense ways to experience it that the person who's like just your average beachgoer may not experience. So this is like the undefined centers. You have this ability to go really deep and to be an absolute master of the ocean and of the water, or you can sit on the beach and you can watch and you can see what you observe, but you're not tied to doing anything. Mm -hmm. So let's say like if I was tied to doing something kind of like shifting around with the analogies here, but if I was tied to doing something, if I'm going to the beach, I'm doing very specific things there. I am doing very specific things. So maybe I'm like reading on the beach. Every time I go to the beach, I read on the beach. You're not stuck in a pattern of every time you go to the beach, you read, or every time you go to the beach, you surf, you play with that. So when it comes to communication, you're going to be able to, especially with that versatility, which has come from what it sounds like years of mastery around language, mastered this over time. That's really what gate 16 is about is like taking the time. It's the gate of skill and the highest frequency of the city here is masteries. You have this 
skill of mastery and manifesting through the, the patterns and the behaviors that you have mastered over time, the skills that you've mastered, because mastery is the way that you deal with the undefined throat center. So if you're like, I don't know when to talk, I don't know if I should be saying something right now. Do I need to be waiting? Do I need to be saying something or what do I need to do in order to get attention? Mm-hmm. If you're in that energy, you can come to this like, okay, where's the opportunity to be versatile here? How can I play with my mastery? How can I base it off of like my past experience? Where's the opportunity for me to communicate in a way that's aligned right now? And then you allow that to come through and it's probably going to look different every time. Every idea that comes through you is probably going to be a little bit different. And that doesn't mean that you haven't mastered it just because you haven't said it that specific way before in that specific format. You get to trust that if you're with somebody, you're mirroring their expression and you're going to be able to express it and share it and communicate it in the exact way that's going to resonate with them. Mm -hmm. Mm, I love that. And I think that's one of the things that I felt so drawn to in terms of the way that you teach human design is really seeing my chart as gifts regardless of what I have on there. I know half of it is my own interpretation and conditioning, interpreting what was taught to me (laughs) before Uh this, but also at times the tone that I feel like I received or consumed content around this by saying your defined centers, you can trust, right? Those Mm -hmm. are great. So focus on that. The other ones, be careful, (laughs) Right. (laughs) The the open ones or undefined ones, be careful because you're susceptible to getting stuff from other people. You can't really trust those. So kind of seeing those as negative. Uh And now I see that that's not the case, but, and especially when you talk about people come to you for coaching, I would love for you to kind of expand on that when it Mm -hmm. comes to your defined centers. And when you do market research or create content, you should do it from your open or undefined centers. Yeah, there's many different kind of thoughts on this. So I actually want to speak to the tone that human design was translated in Mm -hmm. because the tone was coming from a 5-1 manifester. Mm -hmm. So it came from this closed aura. This idea came through. We've got the foundational information, that one line. And that five line is a heretic. That five line is designed to say the things that people need to hear, but everyone else is afraid to say. Mm. So we have this whole narrative around human design. This entire language that we've created with the system is coming from the integrated perspective of somebody who is designed to say the things that no one wants to hear. Mm-hmm. This is one of my issues with only repeating the things that we share is that I'm a six line and my six line communication style or like that six line energy is optimism. I don't want to look at things and say, this is what you need to hear. I want to look at how can we integrate this? How can we embody it? How can I share it in an optimizing perspective? Because like, that's how I'm designed to see the world. I'm not designed to see it as I see the thing that you don't want to see and I'm going to call you out on it. Mm -hmm. We need that. I need that sometimes. (laughs) Other people need that. The world needs that. And that's what we needed with human design. But this next iteration, like if we're only calling out the bad things, we're only calling out the potential for struggle. We are keeping people in that pattern. There's this really fun experiment where it's in a classroom. They have half the class has one test and the other has another, and it's an anagram. So they have like simple words that you're supposed to rearrange the letters and like figure out what the word is. They say like, raise your hand when you're done. And then all of a sudden, everyone on this side of the room raises their hand that they're done with the first word. And this side over here is like, what, how are they done? I have no idea what word this is. And they were like, this was so easy. 
And so they're like, okay, I'm not sure what's happening. So they all move on to the second question. The teacher says like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. If you didn't get the first one, it's okay. It's fine. Go to the next one. As a class, they move on to the second question. Same thing happens where the first group, one side of the room is done. They're like, yeah, that was an easy, simple word. I saw the letters and I was able to rearrange them really quickly. I know what other word that was. And the second group is still in this, like, I have no idea what's happening. I can't get this word either. And then on the third one, same thing, very similar thing happens. One or two people on the side that's been struggling get the word. What happened was this class on the one side who wasn't getting the word was given an impossible word to solve. There was not an answer for the first two. The people on the other side were given something that's pretty easy and pretty simple to solve. And then the last question was the same. What was interesting was that there's this concept of learned incompetence where you feel like you're incompetent all of a sudden, even if you're given an opportunity that is genuinely an opportunity because you've had that failure previously, you're less likely to believe in yourself. This is what I've seen in the conditioning patterns with human design is this learned incompetence of, oh, well, I'm a projector, so I'm just supposed to wait for the invitation and wait for someone to recognize me. No one's recognizing me. No one's recognizing me. I don't think anyone's ever going to recognize me. And then you're not willing to do the things or you're experimenting with something and it doesn't work the first time, or you're told you're really judgmental or you're fixed in this way, or you're not designed to be a communicator in this way. And we learn this incompetence instead of learning to challenge it and move through it. I want to share that optimistic perspective. Please. (laughs) And you have been. So that's amazing. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for that. And in terms of like the open, closed centers, when it comes to business, niche, marketing, all that stuff. Juicy, juicy, juicy content. The traditional human design literature, the actual content that I have consumed around money and human design is that we make money in our undefined energy. And I have decided that I can make money in any of my energy, Mm, (laughs) like like regardless of where I am, I would like to be able to be receptive to money. Mm -hmm. So how I understand it is that in our undefined energy, that's what we're watching. That's where we're observing. That's where we're receiving things in our definition. That's what we're putting out there into the world. So I look at it as like, if I'm creating content, I know that I create content in a couple of ways. I talk about what I'm doing. So I share lots of stories about behind the scenes projects I'm working on because that's who I am. That's my expression. I can't consistently sell stories. I can't consistently bring you into my emotional world. Mm -hmm. I can consistently talk about what I am doing and share things in detail. So I work with that a lot in my content. I express myself through my definition. My undefined energy is where I see the world. That is like my insight into my clients. So clients come to me because there's some things in the variables too. And like, they want my definition as well, but I'm able to hold space in my undefined energy. I've developed the perspective that in our undefined energy is where we hold space. That's where we witness. And that's where we kind of receive. So for example, my undefined G center, I do a lot of identity work with my clients. I do a ton of identity work with my clients. I do so much of that because I'm able to see their identity from this, like on the beach, clear perspective that they don't have coaching clients are looking for your perspective. They're looking for your insights. So if I am going to look at someone like peek into their energy and say, oh, this could be rearranged here, or these two things aren't adding up that's in my undefined energy. So I find myself 
if I'm actually working with someone else, pretty much in my undefined energy and human design is really helpful for that because it's a map of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the reasons it was so beautiful for me is I was looking to understand identity because that's always the lens that I've looked at people through. Then all of a sudden I have this chart that has like a picture of an identity. It really resonates with me. So in my definition, that's where I am creating. That's where I'm giving. I pretty much form my actions around my identity. So the things that I do in my business podcast. I talk and I explain things. I create courses, which is both that like creative, physical, I am putting effort into this 3420 channel and like the details that I'm doing. I make my emotional decisions. I talk about my emotions when it feels correct, but like as a triple split, sometimes it's not there. I share about like how I'm making corrections over time. I use my definition as like me going from let's say like seven figure to multiple seven figure business owner, I'm still going to have the same defined energy. It's still going to be really important for me to be certain in my opinions, in my Ajna center, to be confident in my expression, to be clear in my emotionality, to be determined in my desires. It's, It's important for me to be like in my pleasure when I'm creating. Those are things that are really important for just me staying healthy And so if I have a business that pretty much relies on the traits that I can only really express if I'm healthy, my business is all of a sudden a container that supports me in being my best self. Whatever it is that I'm doing, whatever it is that I'm giving with my team, it's, I find myself using my 18 to 58 channel. So you can look at the channels to see like, how do you move energy from here to there? So yeah, you've got like the circuitry, the definition is where you're giving. That's what people want to see from you. And as a six, two, that two line has this like pursued energy. You don't really want to be big and flashy. It would be really fun if people were like peeking over the fence and trying to see into your world. That's like the most attractive frequency for the two line is being pursued by other people. So I tease things. I do things with the intention of allowing people to like want to look into my world. I make it a little bit confusing. You don't always know exactly what's going on, but you're curious, especially if I'm really excited about it. You're curious in the definition. That's where you're giving. I feel like a lot of my courses are me teaching from my definition. And then when I'm coaching, I'm holding space and making observations. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and this makes me think about my defined heart because that was something else that you hear a lot in the coaching world, everybody struggles with unworthiness and feelings of I'm not worthy. So that's why you're not making money in your business. or You're not attracting people. Then come to find out that with me having a defined heart, that that should not be an issue. I don't know. I started getting confused with that and it actually helped me be like, so this is kind of like a conditioning that I experienced that I accepted this about myself Mm -hmm. when it's really not the truth, especially considering my background story when it comes to money. Yeah. The common story around the undefined ego center or just like worth in general, I feel like the story has been perpetuated from a hyperactive shadow in the ego center to find or undefined. You can have And like, this is another thing is that traditional human design really talks about only your undefined energy as being a place where you can be conditioned Mm. and you can be conditioned in any center. You can be conditioned in your definition, outside of your definition. It does not matter. Your experience does affect you. So that's just one side note. But with the ego center specifically, we have this hyperactive shadow that seems really 
prevalent in the coaching industry where there's this misconception that your prices equal your personal self-worth and your value. That's perpetuated because 65% of the population has an undefined ego. So they look out at the world, the window that they are able to see through, the lens that they experience and filter the world through, it kind of looks like this. They see someone who's making a lot of money, who's charging really high prices, And the way that they're able to tap into that energy, it's like we see someone who has what we want and we look at them and say, what do they have that I don't? Mm. What's the difference? How do I get from here to there? And we are limited to seeing what they have that you don't in our undefined energy. The story is perpetuated with a bunch of open ego centers looking out and saying, oh, people who have high prices have higher self-worth. If I could just feel worthy, then I would be making the money. And then we have this whole like identifying with your prices and your pricing having to do with how good you are of a person. And it's like this morality thing instead of, oh, I made an ebook, $8 sounds fun. Put it out for $8. That feels correct for me. Everyone's concept of money is different. Mm-hmm. $1,000 for me two years ago was very different than $1,000 for me now versus 10 years ago or somebody else. Mm-hmm. $1,000, like one, it's like money does not actually have a value. The value changes. We see this with currency fluctuations, with inflation. Actual value is a made up concept. Mm-hmm. It's completely made up. Animals do not have value. Yes, there might be treats that are tastier or certain foods that they like more, but they do not have the concept of value and value is something that we made up. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a defined ego center, it means that your structure and your framework for what you value is going to be pretty consistent. I know what I value. I know the things that are important to me. And I know that I am inherently valuable because I am, I'm going to be valuable to some people, but I also can recognize that even if I'm putting out the same amount of value and I'm vibrating at the frequency of a certain amount of self-worth, the ability to control how other people interpret that is non-existent. I can't dictate how someone's going to perceive me and their perception of value is going to always be different than mine. Mm -hmm. You have a defined ego. I have experienced this pattern of feeling guilt for being selfish, Mm. feeling guilty for wanting things. And then also being able to see the value in absolutely anything. It's really easy for people, especially with undefined egos, like as coaches or as mentors or as like people on my team, I've seen a pattern where the undefined ego will look at programs that I've created and encourage me to charge more. That's actually led me away from my value and from what felt good for me. The biggest class that I did of SSCC, we ran it over 10 months. I had a bunch of support coaches. We did all three levels and we charged 18K for it. And that was what my entire, like my mentors, the people who were in the program, everyone was saying like, you have to increase your prices. You have to increase your prices, charge 30, charge 25. I'm like, what? Like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. And so my story was, oh, well, it must be a self-worth issue. Mm. I have a defined ego. Like if everyone around me is seeing this value in me, then it has to be there. Mm. Why can't I see it in myself? If everyone else sees it, then obviously like it's got to be real. I'm like, well, if they see the value in this, then that's what I have to charge. And I didn't go based off of the fact that like, yes, it could be worth that. And there are clients at every price point and I can charge a lot of money for it. But the people that I actually want to help with it, it's not worth that to them. 
It's not worth an entire year's worth of their income because like, that's where I came from in 2019. I made the most money I'd ever made and it was (laughs) $23,000. It's like after taxes and all of the things, that was the same amount that I was saying, you can pay that for this one program of mine. Mm. And so for my concept of value, that didn't make sense. And it actually went against my integrity to continue running a program at that price point. And so that's why we dropped it down. We cut it up to make it more digestible, to make it more accessible. We have the self-paced version. Now we have sliding scale payments. We have All of these things, because even though the world around me is saying, this is so worthy and my self-worth is very high and I definitely value my energy and my time. I know my value. That's an alignment for me. I'm still not charging millions and millions of dollars for my things because that's not a correlation. It doesn't have to be a correlation. There's lots of people out there who are charging a lot of money and making a lot of money and maybe they're not necessarily feeling worthy of it. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah, that's my take on it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, this is so helpful because I have heard, and I'm pretty sure it is from people that have undefined egos. Now that you mentioned this, that, oh my gosh, Marta, you should be charging so much for this. You're undervaluing yourself. And then it gets me thinking, oh my gosh, just like what you said, if they're seeing that this is valuable, oh my gosh, that's such a trip, which makes me think of something that you said. I think it was in the Q&A for the masterclass that you were going back and forth on a decision on working with a coach. And then after we woke up in the middle of the night or something, and then you had this clarity of no, based on their design, based on their chart, this is not going to work out because they're going to trigger me. How do I see this in my chart? Because I feel like this would be helpful, not only for hiring coaches, but to work with Uh clients. When I look at a coaching dynamic or a coaching relationship, it's so funny because that particular coach, we're really good friends now. I adore her. And I was literally on a call with her right before that. Oh, nice. <laughs> We're really good friends. That coaching dynamic at that time wasn't aligned. I hired her like two, three years later, and it's been an incredible relationship since then. So yeah, when I look at triggers, you're looking at a composite chart. You're running the charts on top of each other. I always use genetic matrix. That's my favorite thing for anything human design related. And so when I'm looking at triggers, I'm looking at what's the energy of the container? What are we going to feel? I'll look at the centers. So this particular individual has a defined G center and she has the 25 to 51 channel. I have gate 25 in my G center. She has an ego center that is connected to her G center. And because I have 25 and she has the 25, 51, it compromises my 25. So we call that a compromise channel. When one person has the full thing, the other person has one single gate. When you come together you're going to operate on the operation of the person who has the full channel. Well, I may be really good at working with gate 25 and moving from the energy of constriction into acceptance. If this individual has 51, which is about shock and initiation and getting things started, there can be like this pushy energy. It was also that her desires are tied to her sense of direction and identity. And at the time, I was having so many conditioning patterns around codependency, around identity, direction, lovability, like all of these things in my G center were coming up and it was like really triggering to me. The other thing was that she has an open emotional center. I was curious if she was going to be trying to make me make quicker decisions as a sacral authority than me actually like being in my energy. And I was worried she wouldn't give me the time to do that. Really, when I was looking at it, I was putting myself in her energy 
And like, we're great friends now. I told you this, we've done many things together. I absolutely adore her. But at the time I was able to see that in that coaching relationship, I would fall back into my patterns of wanting to people please, wanting to be an ideal client, wanting to be the best client she's ever had, get incredible results. But it would have really put me in the energy of who can I be for her? That specifically is a pattern that like I've had to decondition very deeply. So yeah, when you're looking at coaching relationships, it's very much like, how are you going to watch them? What do they have defined that you have undefined? Because that's your glimpse into their world. That's what you're going to be receiving from their energy primarily is what they have defined and you are undefined. You get to look at, is it super triggering? Okay. Yeah. So you can look at like the gates. I love just like looking at the composite chart or that connection chart with both of them because the dominance channels are also really interesting. The dominance channel is where someone has the full thing and the other one doesn't have either of the channels or either of the gates in that channel. And so dominance channels tend to be where you kind of like watch someone else in their process. You're like, whoa, that's like really far away from what I have done previously. So those can be great aspects for learning anything that could be triggering. It really just depends on where you are in your conditioning. So triggers are like necessary in order to create transformation. And so at this point now, like a couple of years afterwards, I was able to work with her and now we're really great friends and we have incredible back and forth conversations that I don't feel like I can have in many other containers because she's been so triggering for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) in and out of relationship together. We've both been really triggering for each other, but we've been able to really get honest about that triggering and explain it and like work through it together to heal things that we're both going through. Yeah. There was a lot on that, but that's yeah, no, that's helpful. Well, and which brings me to the question about my kids, because I'm constantly looking at like my closest friends, my sister, my husband's chart. (laughs) And and comparing things. So this explanation of the triggers, I'm now going to have to go back and see what compares with my husband because we trigger each other a lot, but in a challenging, productive way, eventually. So what is your advice take on with the fact that my kids have the exact same chart? Like, what do I do with this? I have identical twin brothers. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. I have gotten to see both of their charts and one of them actually lived with me for a little while here. It was like six weeks. <laughs> he came and just like stayed and did some school stuff with us. So I have been really curious because their charts, even though they're a couple of minutes apart, are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely exactly the same. This is a question that I get asked a lot and it's really okay. interesting. I love talking about this. So when you have twins or triplets or people have the same chart, one of the students in my class, they talked about a couple that they had that were dating They had a birthday that I think it was like the same day, but they had like two gates changed, but they were almost identical in their charts. So yeah, I think it's super fascinating. It really shows that your human design chart is your potential. That's what you're starting with. That's the gifts that you have, but your experience is going to absolutely impact how you share it, Mm -hmm. how you allow it out into the world, how you express it. This is going to be really interesting to see three different people who are going through pretty much the exact same experiences on a daily basis, probably eating the same things, watching the same things, bath time at the same time. (laughs) All of it is the same. They're around the same people. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they individualize their personality Mm -hmm. is really what it is. My twin brothers are very different people. They are very different people, even though 
on chart, they're exactly the same. So it goes to show that your chart is showing you how you take in energy, move it and bring it back out of you to impact the world. It's about energy flowing in and energy flowing out. So even if energy flows in and energy flows out in the same pattern for somebody, what happens is in our conditioning, we block things. We hold on to things. We say, oh my gosh, this has to move faster. So we try and speed up or slow down the movement of energy in our body. And that impacts how we feel, how we make other people feel when they're around us. It energetically impacts other people. You'll get to notice maybe one of your triplets will be like really, really expressive in a certain way. Or one of them might, you mentioned that they're projectors. One of them might have a lot of bitterness and one of them might be really into just like always saying exactly like that five line of this is what you need to hear, but you don't want to hear it. One might be really outspoken, whereas someone else might think, okay, I think this is fine. I could say that. I could think that, but I'm only going to say it to the people closest to me. So you'll get to see really clearly how their individual experiences shape their expression. And it'll be really cool because they'll always have people who feel like home to be around, who make them feel like they're not really impacted by another person because when you're in someone's energy, it's exchanging. And so to be in someone's energy and it doesn't really impact you at all. Like they're defined in their fixed ways and you're defined in your fixed ways. It creates a very, very, very unique. I mean, only twins get to experience this or people born at the same moment. It creates a really intimate relationship where you're with somebody, but you don't feel like you're around people. Mm -hmm. And that's super fascinating. That is so (laughs) strange. Well, and even the things that you were describing, I could already see one or two of them with, you know, like the bitterness. And so, yeah, I get to pay closer attention to that and see how it unfolds. Yeah. And I really feel like having them has, and we were talking about this too, with them being protectors has been the reason why I've gone into the line of work of helping women see their uniqueness and understand themselves, find that identity with me having a defined G center too, Because I see this in my kids and being like, I want to make sure I foster this for them because they're so different and I'm only one. (laughs) So it's like an extension of what I'm doing at home outside of myself and then being the teacher (laughs) role. Oh my gosh, there's so much that goes into it, but yeah, it's also fascinating. So cool. Are there any final questions that you have and want to dive into before we wrap this up? Well, one more thing that I wondered if it made any difference or what I can make off of this is when you have several different gates inside the same center, because I know that my spleen has almost all of them. And does this mean anything? What do you make of where the gates end up being defined in terms of the centers? I don't know. Yeah, I see it as like your auric field. I see it as like in your splenic center and the body graph is mirrored. The splenic center physiologically will be on your right side. So the right side of your energy has a lot of activation. There's a lot moving in that field. If you look at it, like a child would look at something, you'd be like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on here. There's not a lot happening here all of the time. So it's like where you're very open versus where you get to be very in your process. So with your splenic center having five of the six gates, but then also one, two, three, four, like technically four channels because the 57 to the 10 and the 57 to the 34, 
are different channels. So it technically has four channels. And so what that means is that you're going to translate this. You feel pressure. It's going to show up in that 54. So it's this like desire to go to a new level. You're like, okay, I need to ascend feeling pressure. It's time to move. It's time to go on to something new, like climb a new mountain energy. And you're going to both have the determination to make it a teamwork energy. You're going to connect that desire. You're going to have the desire that backs it. And then you have this creative energy and the sense of direction to make it happen. But everything connects in your splenic center. All of the other centers that are defined individually connect to your splenic center. What I would say with that, just like thinking about that kind of chart composite is while you may be a sacral authority, the source and the location of all of the processing is in this awareness center. That's your spleen. I'd be curious to know if you probably have that sacral response. Yes. But I'm curious to know if your splenic center is actually louder than your sacral response. So do you get like a voice or like a nudge? I had it once that like, I had a friend that I was working out with consistently. And then I had the voice and it says, break up with her and had her name. And I was like, what, what do you mean break up with her? Great friends. This is going really well. And then something happened and I was like, oh, I need to get away from this. This is actually really toxic. It's like this voice sometimes or the splenic hit I don't know. See, that's been interesting in my journey, especially coming from church and listening to the voice within and things like that. I don't know if it's something that I've suppressed or not, but especially ever since starting the journey of personal development. And even whenever I meet with somebody that calls themselves highly intuitive or empathic, they have always said, wow, there's a spiritual presence and you are very intuitive. I can see that you're very intuitive and you're very spiritual To me, it's like, I guess, I don't know. And I don't know if that's a two-line thing too of they see these things in me and I'm like, I'm just the way that I am. I don't know. So I guess I don't know the answer to your question. Yeah, I understand that. Sometimes it's difficult to gauge your intuitive abilities. Mm -hmm. So I would be curious, what's your definition of being highly empathic or highly intuitive? Oh my gosh. Well, I guess just this inner knowing and an inner trusting of sorts. And I am admittedly very fixed in my own ways. And I want to know that I want to know. That was like the story where I was sharing before about people being against my marriage. And that was okay. Now that I think about it, I remember a specific moment. I was actually on a plane back to Brazil (laughs) when I had almost like an audible thing. It's happened a few times. So that's why I didn't want to say it's all the time, but it's happened a few times with that of saying, this is the person for you, except everybody else around me told me no. And I was like, I need to know for myself, screw you people. And I'm going with it. So there's been instances of that, but that's not something that I Mm -hmm. recognize all the time. With the splenic center, it has this intuitive awareness. This intuitive awareness is It's very much about what's healthy for you, what's safe for you, letting go of things that aren't right for you, taking risks, kind of challenging yourself, Mm. seeing if it's worth the struggle, seeing if it's worth the collaboration, all of those things. If you're mentioning that you always have this kind of, you're fixed in your ways, Mm -hmm. even when other people are telling you that it doesn't make sense, it's not safe, you're not letting go of things that you don't want to let go of. Mm -hmm. I would say that that is intuition because there's something inside of you, whatever it is, 
It can be a voice. It can be a feeling. It's probably more of a feeling for you with your feeling cognition, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's just a sensation of in that moment, you just knew. I think that everyone is able to be highly intuitive if they're willing to tap into that level of awareness. It's really just a level of awareness and you're just processing information. I see, especially the splenic center intuition as kind of being this, your body is getting information and receiving signals before your brain processes it. Your conscious mind is only processing like 0.000001% of all of the signals that you're receiving throughout the day. So your body is making decisions for you at an unconscious level around like your breathing patterns, your heart rate, your digestion, all of these things at an unconscious level. And it's possible that your body is processing information it just isn't allowing your conscious mind to receive it. There's this like, I don't know. There's just, I know my body knows Mm -hmm. my mind just doesn't have clarity around why specifically, because your mind wasn't needed to make that decision. Your body just knew your body knew how to make that decision for you already. So I love when people have a lot of activity in one place. I think it makes it really unique of like focus on this as you contemplate each of your centers. I think it would be really curious and really interesting to look at How does your identity affect your risks? How does your identity affect your self-trust? How do your desires affect the partnerships and the collaborations that you make, the people that you trust maybe? How does your excitement and your sense of survival mix together? So compare and look at all of the different centers in the context of that one center that's super active. And then you'll gain all of this information. We'll be able to see all of those connections and your two line will love that. Okay. Oh, this is super helpful. I love it. Thank you so much. I'm going to have to listen to this episode and take notes. (laughs) (laughs) I love notes. Notes are my favorite. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being here. These were great questions. I had so much fun. And if you wanted to share a little bit about where people can find you, where they can come hang out with you and get into your energy a little bit more, we'll add it to the show notes as well. But yeah, where are you hanging out? Yeah, well, I'm all over social media, or you can go to my website, martaspirk.com, find me under Marta Spirk in different platforms. I do have my podcast, The Empowered Woman Podcast, and my book, The Empowered Woman, The Ultimate Roadmap to Business Success. I love it so much. Well, Marta, thanks so much for being here today. And anyone else, thank you for listening in to this episode. I will talk to you very soon.